Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Walton Community Church. We're going to be in our last sermon, Lord willing, uh, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, When the elders asked how long I would take, I was thinking three to four sermons, I think. It's been six. Um, And that's a good thing to go through it slow. There's just a lot in there. And this one, I have to say, has been the one that's been the most challenging for me. Um, Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6, or you have that Lord's Prayer probably steering your hand out, but I think it would be helpful to turn to the passage if you have a Bible or a smartphone uh, with you. And follow along with me as I read in verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is our last petition. We are talking about temptation today. Temptation is one of those things that just isn't very comfortable. Forgiveness might be a little bit more hallmarky. We've all needed it. There's some beauty when we extend it at times. And last week I mentioned that it can be a beautiful, yet it's yet sometimes very confrontational to see forgiveness granted. Because there's a big part of us that loves vengeance and loves judgment and hard-heartedness and and we're pretty prone to sometimes even brag about how we showed it to someone at the grocery store or a certain relative or a, a co-worker. It's like our, our big fish story. Some of us catch a big fish and we brag about it. Some of us have great zingers and then we think it's so godly to, to brag about it. But usually forgiveness is, is a beautiful thing that we all enjoy. But we come to temptation and that, that's just not as comfortable to think about. Um, It's a very humbling and honest request to ask God. Uh, Think about God knowing you and loving you and giving his son for you. And then after everything has been forgiven, saying, I still wrestle with sin. Uh, and th- there's these certain areas in my life where I'm not very strong, and I'm going to ask you to, to help me. Most likely I'm going to fall. And, and we fall in such a myriad of ways. Sometimes we know we're strong here, and we lean on our strength, and, and then we do terrible things in our strength to avoid our, our weak areas. And sometimes we forget about our weak areas and and they blindside us. We get tempted by a number of things. We want to be godly. And sometimes we put safeguards around us. And in that we sin. We become a legalist. Or we become harsh to others. Or we lose our confidence and trust in God. And his grace is no longer in front of our view because we're working really hard on our godliness. Sometimes we're, we're tested because of our own appetites. On the ride here today, Amber told me how much money we've already spent this week because of going out to eat. And that is just, we always have an unlimited amount of, of finances for going out to eat. I, I love food. 
She's going to be gone come Monday. We'll see if I'm obedient and I resist temptation. In this last request that we make before God, we're, we're, we're exposing our tremendous vulnerability. We're not independent yet. And, and we still need you. And I want to encourage you to, to visit the beginning of this prayer when we're instructed to pray to him as father. Not as, as judge not as holy stranger who gets upset whenever we have questions, not some distant creator that now has created this wheel that spins on its own and leaves us be. It's, it's Father, the one that knows us. Some of you have amazing relationships with your dad. I have a great relationship with my dad. I love him. We talk about chess pretty often. We talk about our beards pretty often. We have our own little quirks and things we like to do that we just get. That doesn't mean that we've always had a perfect relationship. Uh, th- there was a lo- long pronounced season within our relationship where we just did not speak. We did not relate to one another. To ask a question to my dad or, or expose my vulnerability was a great risk for me. And it was uncomfortable. I don't know if my dad was aware of that or not. I don't know if it was on his radar. Maybe right now you have a really difficult time speaking to your dad. Maybe you can't speak to your dad. Maybe apologies aren't received and you don't depend on them for things in your life. That's harsh and that's difficult. And I'm sorry that that's your lot. The Christian has a similar temptation. I've already asked and I've I've let you down again. I've let myself down again. I've taken precautions. And yet I don't feel strong, I feel weak, I feel vulnerable. I doubt that I'm going to be successful again. I'm so thankful Jesus encourages us to approach God with our weakness. This tells us we are not to truly trust our own strength, but instead to place our confidence in God. He can deliver us from temptation. And the previous petition, petition five, encourages us to seek him for forgiveness. Thanks be to God for a loving Lord who abounds in grace. I've been thinking about certain temptations in my life and I thought I don't want to share those examples today. So we're going to go to the prophet Daniel, one of the scariest people in the Bible to me, because he is an individual that is just above impressive. So if you will, turn to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3, quickly with me. In chapter 3... We have King Nebuchadnezzar who has built this amazing, impressive statue that is extremely high, covered in expensive materials, and he decides to bring a procession. There are, there are the priests, there are the, those that play instruments that are to play song, and all are to bow before this great altar, this great god, this statue. Now, we know about Shadrach, Meshach, and uh, Anibadab. Uh, 
Meshach, Meshach, Abednego. I probably say that wrong. I'm going from child memory. These individuals, we know from our Sunday school lessons if we've grown up in the church, they don't bow down, do they? They don't bow down, though it's the king's decree. Some officials find out that these three Jews, these Hebrew guys, they're not bowing down. So they bring them to King Nebuchadnezzar. And they tell, he tells them, listen, you're going to bow down. You're going to worship him. You're not going to make a fool of me. I'm going to show you I'm the authority, and you're not going to belittle my God. They say in verse 16, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So they say, listen, we know what you're asking of us. We feel the pressure. It's, it's clear as day. Um, but we are not going to serve your God. And they say in their declaration, there is no other God who is able to deliver us in this way. So you might throw us in the, in the flame, but we serve only him. And he is the only one that can deliver us. So I have a quick question. Were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego delivered from temptation? That's a trick question. Yes, no. We can't say maybe. They did not yield. So the, the flame was set seven times hotter. Guards threw these individuals into the fire. And the king beheld that there were four in the fire. The three were thrown in. One appeared like the prince of heaven or the son of God. And they're retrieved. Then the king declares, no one should say anything about this God. The way in which he saved these individuals. He says in verse 25 that he makes a decree that any people, nation, or tongue that speaks against uh, any offense against the God of these three shall be torn limb from limb and their houses reduced to a rubbish heap inasmuch as there is no other God who is able to deliver in this way. In their obedience, a Gentile declares the deliverance of God. In one sense, they are delivered from temptation. They're not killed. It even makes mention that not even their hairs were, were singed. But they entered death. This word temptation can be a bit complex. A brother of mine, uh, Justin Hornsby, the Hornsby know Justin, it's their son. He spoke about, they better know him, they spoke about this word temptation. It's parasmos, and instead of going into all the Greek, I want to just boil it down to what it usually means trial or test. 
Now, temptation can, can mean a whole lot of things within English. And, and honestly, even within the Bible, temptation can be much broader than testing or trial. But when this word is used in the Gospels and in the epistles as God enacting this, it's a test. It's a trial. Any good father tests his children. They ask them to repeat, what, what have I said? They often ask, what have you done with your time? They want to know, how do they play with money? Who it is that they hang out with? Fathers and mothers know the desires of their children, where they're strong and where they're weak, what temptations, what desires in them they might have that are godly and and not godly, desirable and, and not desirable, what may save them and what may harm them. When we come to this prayer, deliver us from temptation, we have to ask ourselves, is, is, is God someone who's waving a carrot in front of us, watching us and hoping that we sin or, or we don't sin? And, and that's, that's a silly, maybe, idea to put before you, but that's something I think we have all felt. God, do you really want me to break right now? God, do you really want me to just give in to this sin and lose all hope and, and defame your name, lose my reputation, drive myself crazy. I don't like temptations. I succumb to them daily. There are some in my life that, that I am profoundly weak in. And I often have to follow Jesus' instructions and ask for deliverance. James, in his epistle, in verses 1, 13 through 14, says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by evil, and uh, tempted by God, and he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lusts. James is the brother of Christ. I believe James knows the Lord's Prayer. I believe James knows the Gospels well and the traditions that carry through the teaching of the apostles. So we come to this verse in the Lord's Prayer saying, deliver us from temptation. And then James says, God never tempts us. Well, what in the world is going on there? I believe what James is saying is there is a temptation from God that strengthens us in the gospel. There's a testing that God places upon us that may strengthen our faith, embolden us, produce more fruit within us. But then there's temptations outside of God, within our own lusts. And there's Satan himself that brings about these cruel affections, these lusts that we have within ourselves. James is saying, in God there is no evil. There's no wickedness. He does not touch that. But he does test you. Think about the first time you went driving with one of your parents. Or maybe you didn't go with your parent, but you went with a loved one. And they place all their trust in you as you're behind that wheel. 
and they give you those instructions on how to apply your foot on the gas and hopefully the same foot on the brake. My older sister didn't learn that trick until a lot later. They tell you how to turn gently, how to use the blinkers, and then it happens for all of us. We mess up. We stomp on the brake or the gas, and they, they, they carefully and, and strongly, stop, don't do this, turn. They might say, let me take this, we'll do this later, whatever it might be. That's a test, that's a trial, that's actually a temptation, guiding to see how well you are observing. James also tells us this of temptation, but in our Bible, it's usually translated as test or trial, that it produces endurance and a crown of life. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1 that it produces a proof of faith and praise and glory and an honor of Jesus. Some of the most godly individuals I know and the saints that you know that are renowned have gone through periods of great temptation and of testing. They didn't just slide in the holiness or profound depth and knowledge of God because they had no temptation. But it was through the testing that God placed through them they gained endurance. Their faith was made evident. And they are able to praise and glorify God for who he is. In 1 Peter chapter 4, the apostle shows us that we are blessed and that the spirit of glory and of God rests on those that are tempted. I want you to think about maybe you have siblings and where you're placed in that sibling order. I was the middle child. I had one that was older than me, one that was younger. We have a family of four. The burden I place on my oldest daughter is much heavier than the burden I place on our youngest. Naphtali knows how to use the restroom on her own. Naphtali also knows not to lie. Naphtali also knows what tone of voice we like to use in the house. Nathalie knows how to cross the road safely. I totally trust her. Zion, on the other hand, I've had to leave many conversations with you because he just likes to walk into a scene that could kill him. He likes roads. He likes glass. He likes deep water. Traffic is just exciting to him. I place a heavier load upon him. In one sense, it's on me. I have to teach it to him gradually. Nathalie can now do whatever she wants to with a street. She knows how to cross it. Zion needs a handhold. That burden's heavily placed on him, but, but I carry all of that load. My oldest are more responsible for things. You might feel like God is being harsh on you and unfair. He might be trying to grow in you spiritual maturity in this season. And some of these can be very painful. I have a dear friend of mine whose circumstance I'm limited in speaking about. But death has visited his family again. 
And I've said to God, this is too much. This suffering, when I speak about it, 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 my voice shakes. When I share it with loved ones, they gasp. And I leave it in the good Father's hands to how he is using this for his glory, which is ultimately for our good. Some of you are going through painful circumstances right now, a trial, a testing. It feels like a temptation, and it might be. It is painful to say this, but good to say this. It comes from your father. The other clause in this asks that he would deliver us from this temptation. It's natural that we don't love these things. So it's good to be tested, but it's natural to pray that this wouldn't be happening. And we got to ask ourselves, if it's good for us to be tested, for us to have these rules or this lot or this trial, why would we pray against it? And that's been hard for me to think about. If trial and testing produces in me a praise and a glory and an honoring of Jesus, why don't I want to bear it? If, if this produces in me endurance and the crown of life, why don't I want more testing and more temptation? Because I'm a human. Because I'm flesh and blood. Because I know my own self. And because Jesus even prays in this way. So, so take comfort in this. You are not a stranger in your temptation. Jesus himself prayed in Matthew 16, 39, Gethsemane. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not so as I will, but as you will. Jesus prays both things. Remove this cup of wrath. Remove this temptation. Take me away from this testing. Yet... I want your will to be done. I don't want to get in the way of it. It is painful to endure to the point of sweating blood. But give me strength to be faithful in what your will is. Jesus later tries to wake the disciples, ushers them to come closer to him. They've said, we're going to follow you unto death. He's saying, great, follow me into the garden to pray. They can't do that. They fall asleep. Jesus, with only the Father as his support, prays, my Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. That possibility in Matthew 16 if it, if it can't be as I desire, then may I drink it and your will be accomplished. Some temptations will not leave you. That is not to say God is not victorious. <laughs> that is not to say God does not love you. That is not to say there is no hope and there is no joy in life. But some temptations might stay with you until the grave. But don't you, don't, don't you divorce yourself from seeing that is your father saying, this is the test, 
This is the standard I am placing on you, beloved, and I am with you in it. Now, a lot within the camp of Christendom, believers would say that's blasphemy, that every temptation can be, can be overcome. And, and yes, it can be, but we all wrestle with sin until we die. And we, are, we all remain who we are, that little temptation you may have. It might, I can see myself being 80 years old and trying to bribe my kids to bring in fast food while my wife is monitoring my diet. And I can see the guilt that I place on them and sliding money and asking for them to keep secrets, not caring if it's sin because fast food is, is worth the compromise. That will be a wrestle, I imagine. We have more serious ones. Ones that that affect the relationships we have with each other. Ones that make it hard for us to approach our God as Father and as Deliverer. I don't want you to think, though, because you hold on to a temptation, God is not present. He is ever-present. And Jesus instructs us for deliverance. He prays this way. Jesus also lived this way. Remember after 40 days of praying and fasting, he's in the wilderness and Satan himself approaches him? When he is at the brink of starvation, the devil himself preaches enticements to him. Some temptations, though, are just momentary. After these 40 days, after Jesus rebukes Satan from his scripture reference with true scripture reference, angels then minister to his needs. He is fed. He is refreshed. Jesus is guided into the wilderness, Luke tells us, by the power of the Spirit. He's drawn into that testing by God's sovereign plan, by the Spirit's anointing. And after a long, painful period, it is lifted. I've been reading J.I. Packer a good bit in the Lord's Prayer because he's one of my favorite theologians. Previously passed, it's been hardful to know that. But leaning on some of his reasons why to ask that we be spared from temptation, he gives three. One is... Satan tries to exploit the situation for our ruin. There's a circumstance, there's a trial, there's a temptation, and he is ready to take an opportunity in that moment. When you go to school and you take a test, usually the room is very quiet. Students have to behave. They have the paper there for you. Sometimes they even have the the pencil there for you. In life, there are screaming distractions. There are storms. The enemy knows you well. You are no stranger to their gaze. And while you are in this test, the devil will scream in your ear. He will give you a sharp but skewed memory. And he will rejoice as you fall. And you can fall in a number of ways. Committing the temptation. Or seeking strength within. 
Number two, Jared Packer says, temptation is no picnic. It's not enjoyable. The temptation might be upon you cancer. And that brings upon you shock, knocks the wind out of you. That's not where you want to dwell. That's not your safe place. It's a scary place. No sane person wants to enter into that. A third reason we ask is we have a knowledge of our own weakness. We know that we're penetrable. We're not Hercules. And that we need to ask this daily. And sometimes we need to ask this moment by moment of God. Quoting Packer, he says, Temptation may be our lot, but only a fool will make it his preference. Others will heed Paul's warning to the spiritually reckless. Let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. I want us to be individuals that are open and honest and transparent, that we are a people that are tempted. And I want to show you, I want to offer you some discretion as well. I believe we should be people that confess our sins one to another. It's commanded of us to be a confessing people. Choose wise, mature believers who you confess to. You might be going through a situation that is very difficult. God might be showing you something that you are barely understanding, but you're maybe getting there. And there might be a, a brother or sister who just isn't there yet and understanding it. I would hate to see relationships severed. There are, there are prayer requests the elders receive, and, and we, we make a list of things we want to pray audibly. And, and there are some things we, we don't lift up audibly. There are some health concerns, relational issues, financial things, stuff like that that happen within our body. And we use discretion. I want you to get in the practice of asking the Lord would deliver you from temptation. This is a corporate prayer with we and our and us. And that makes me want to be a people where we are vulnerable with one another. Going to this second phrase in Matthew deliver us from evil I would ask you to circle and highlight deliver I have, I have been rebuked many times by my parents by loved ones for failing and messing up Jesus wants to invite us to come to God and see that he brings us deliverance. Um, there might be a little bit of a, a distraction from you, for you and the uh, text that you have. It might be the evil one or evil. Um, and I can't be dogmatic on that. The Greek can be either neutral or masculine. That sounds very nerdy. But what I want to teach you in this is just simply, some have translated this, deliver us from the evil one or Satan, or deliver us from evil. I rest that both are a great and faithful translation. And I don't rest dogmatically on either one. Both are biblical. Satan prowls around like a roaring lion. 
Jesus tells Peter to his face, Satan wanted to rip you apart. And I did not grant it to him. Satan approaches God and says, hey, I noticed Job. May I break him? To a, to a certain extreme, you can. Can't kill him. Anything else is, is, is free game. But then also, within us, within us, there is a temptation to sin. We see things that we believe will alleviate us, that will comfort us, will strengthen us. And I believe we need guidance from both. Let's bow in prayer. True and living God, I thank you that we are able to come to you with our daily needs, asking that you would fulfill them. I thank you that you are a father of our needs and that you eagerly wait for us to come to you, to seek your provision. I thank you that you are a forgiving God, that our sins have been washed away, those that cling to Christ, and that we have been reconciled to you. And Lord, I thank you that we are told to lean on you in times of temptation. Remind us that you are the true and ultimate deliverer, that you rescue your children. In these petitions, Father, may we hunger more for your kingdom. May we seek your will and be obedient to it. And may it be our heart's cry that you be glorified. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.